Turn with me to Luke chapter 4, and uh, I want to I jump into this because I, I sense that, again, you know, every single day, mercies are new, okay? You don't have to, how many of you are grateful that you don't have to wait until January 1 rolls around to get new mercies? Um, it doesn't work like vacation days, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't work like paid days off. Uh, it doesn't work like that. The mercies are new every morning, and um, I, I always think of the, the donut guy, the Dunkin' Donuts guy, and Ben our, plays drums. Ben DeCastro produces our podcast, too. And a while back, Ashley and I were <laughs> talking about the guy on the old commercial that says, time to make the donuts. And he wakes up, and it's, you know, the butt crack of dawn or whatever. And the guy, I, I, I feel like the Lord just is so excited about the mercies. Because the mercies every morning, um, the mercies of the Lord are what empower us. And even though we don't have to wait until January 1 for a new load of mercies to come out of the oven, uh, I feel that it's, it's important for us to get a hold of the fresh start that 2022 is. I think there's something psychologically about it. There's something... Um, powerful about it that helps us to push the reset button and in doing so I'm more convinced than ever before uh, how important it is that when we do press the reset button that we fill all the empty space with God stuff um, with Holy Spirit stuff um, and and what that means is you know our lives are full of these opportunities to press the reset uh, I, I need a do-over. I need a mulligan. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I need new mercies. So every morning we have this opportunity. But the problem is, is that, like we said before, Jesus is very clear about what happens when we sweep our house clean and it's left vacant. Um, we end up inundated even more than we were before with all the things that beset us, that hold us back. And so, and I've seen this, I've actually watched it play out in believers over this year as we keep coming back to that altar place. We keep coming back to that, that um, the clearing, right? And, uh, and, and suddenly, while we say, great, I'm a, I'm a blank canvas, I'm a fresh start for the Lord, the enemy is saying, you're a fresh start for me too. And so it's so important that we are filling our heads and our hearts. We're filling our lives. We're filling our relationships with the things which are pleasing and inviting to the Lord. So I want to start this year off um, reading um, how Jesus starts off his, not a new year, but a new season of his life. Okay, so in... Chapter 4, Jesus, we see Jesus going through the wilderness season, right? He's in the 40 days, uh, and he's out in the wilderness. He's tempted by Satan. We've preached on this. We've read through this before. But after this is finished, and we, and we know the, the basic elements of this, Satan tempts him with provision. He tempts him with glory. He tempts him uh, with, uh, with power. And with testing God, and Jesus passes each test by quoting back to Satan scripture, right? Uh, we're not going to get into that. It's an incredible passage. If you have some homework, if you can handle some homework for your first week of the new year, read chapter 4 um, leading up to where we're going to get right here. 
But he passes the test. Don't worry about that stuff. Um, and, he, uh, and he comes back into town. It says he returns to Galilee. And in the power of the Spirit. He's in the power of the Spirit because with this fresh start, okay, with this new beginning, the enemy was looking to accomplish something in the life of Jesus. And because the Lord didn't give him a, a, a fraction of an inch of wiggle room, he comes back and he's full of something else. He's full of the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to know this morning that when we don't give way to Satan, that it creates all the empty space in our life. It, it keeps it open for the Lord to move and work. So he comes in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through all the surrounding district, and he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. So he comes to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and found the place where it was written. Don't you wonder who handed it to Jesus? I'm always wondering who the unnamed guy is. You know, that there was a guy and he just hands him the book and he's like, read here, Jesus. Yeah, the bookkeeper for sure. And, uh, and it says, he opened the book and found the place where it was written. We're going to jump into this and I, uh, I encourage you, keep an open mind, Okay. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Does anybody know where in Isaiah he was quoting? 61. It's good. Good. Whoever said that, you get a lollipop. Or something. I don't know what we give out. Cold brew. <laughs> Isaiah 61, um, it was open to that. And as Jesus begins to read, he is setting a precedent for this newfound ministry. Seems weird to think that Jesus starts a ministry because we see the, the, the ministry of Christ beginning the moment he was conceived the moment that flesh began to be wrapped around that, um, that spirit uh, in Mary's womb. But Jesus' ministry on the earth, the three years that he walked and taught as a rabbi, uh, they're launched right now in this moment. And there are some different things that we see that were paramount to the leading up of this. The baptism of Jesus was also a crucial part of uh, this ministry beginning, um, that wilderness and the temptation and Jesus, how he overcame Satan in those moments. But as he launches off into uh, this ministry, he, it says that he was reading. This wasn't the first thing that he taught necessarily, but it's the first thing that's recorded by Luke. And I think it's the first for a reason because it lays a foundation. It sets a stage um, for exactly what it was that Jesus was here to do and ultimately what it was that we're here to do as we're following in his footsteps, in his power, and with his calling and inheritance on us. So I'm going to look through a couple of these, but I want to just sort of make a, a, a clustered observation, and it's this. The things are to preach, to proclaim, and really... When it says to set free, it's, uh, it's a prophetic ordering. 
that word for set, and we're going to get into a bunch of Greek, and so I hope you're okay with that. Um, that's how we're going to start the year. You know what I'm saying? We're going into, we're going deep dives into original language, 2022, Hebrew, Greek, here we come. You're all going to have a degree by the time we're done with this year. <laughs> Stacy's like, oh my gosh. Oh my God. You guys have your like iPhone translators out. Uh, First thing is, when he says the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, how many of you guys were here like six and a half years ago when we preached out of Isaiah 61 and we, we were in the original prophetic utterance when Isaiah is saying this? And if you were here then, then you know that the Hebrew, because you'll remember this, uh, the Hebrew for that phrase, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, uh, can, is consisting of two Hebrew words, Jehovah, Jehovah. And Jehovah, this is from another sermon, but it's important for today. Jehovah is it's, it's what the Hebrew language would do in order to not be repetitious with this word that was so important. And what they would do is they would take the vowels from another word and combine it with the consonants of the intended word to create a combined meaning. So they were constantly making up words. That's why I consider it an anointing. And uh, so they would take the vowels from the word Elohim and combine it with the consonants of Jehovah, and it came out a Jehovah was the word. And Elohim, taking those vowels from the word Elohim, Elohim was interesting because it was a plural rendering of a word for God, which sounds a little scary because we know that there are no other gods than our God. And so when you start taking words like God and making them plural, it starts to like get into some dangerous territory. And that's why this message from back then when we got into Isaiah 61 the first time, that's why this was uh, some sort of uh, controversial territory. It's a wink back at Adam and Eve and the creation narrative uh, where we see them being created in the image of God. And the Hebrew rendering of even that phrase um, is better understood like this. He created man to be little gods. Now, don't think that we're starting 2022 off, you know, going into some Mormon or Jehovah's Witness, some cult, cultish territory. We're not going there. But what I'm saying is this. We radically underestimate the power that was imparted to us as his creation. We radically diminish the dominion that was placed upon us when we were created in his image. And when Isaiah gets this picture from God, I believe the father was, was doing so in hopes of restoring the power that we really are, that we really have in him. Elohim, these, the vowels from Elohim being brought into this word, it's like this idea that somehow we embody, we take on the same way that Jesus did, the power and the spirit of our creator, of our father. So when he says the spirit of the Lord is upon me, it means that I am walking around here as a divine magistrate of heaven. One who has been imparted to the authority to speak on heaven's behalf. Well, that just sounds like the stuff we always say. Yeah, but it sounds like something almost none of us really do. Doesn't it? 
I feel like the things that we choose to really get authoritative about are like the wrong things. <laughs> you know, like the name it, claim it stuff. You know, we start, we start, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to lay claim over that winning lottery ticket. You know, it's, it's like we miss the power that we have just as everyday believers, just as sons and daughters, just as his creation. So the spirit of the Lord is upon me. I have been created in the image of God and commissioned with all the authority of heaven as one who now is born into this race with Jesus to do a couple of things, to preach the gospel, proclaim release and recovery, and to set the oppressed free. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but again, I'm going to say when it says to set the captives free there towards the end, that word set comes from a Greek word, apostello, and it literally means to order or to send. It's a verbal action to set free. So what that means is that whether we're preaching, proclaiming, or prophesying the, the setting free of captives, these are all things that come out of our mouths. Everything, saints, everything the Holy Spirit is on you to do is accomplished through how you speak. I'll say it one more time and make sure that you make sure that you write this down in the dark. Everything the Holy Spirit is on you to do is accomplished through how you speak. Isn't it interesting that through each one of these things, now did Jesus only preach the gospel? No, we know he lived out, he acted out the gospel. But his actions followed his words. And I believe that the Lord, in the same way that we see the, the heavens and the earth spoken into existence, the same way that even Christ himself, we see it again. I know I've referenced this so many times through Christmas, that it was the word that became flesh. The spoken word then became flesh. It wasn't, I'm going to send my spirit in flesh and then he's going to start talking. No. As all of creation was spoken into existence. This is not the potter sitting at the wheel creating something and then finally, no. He's not working something. Uh, no, he's speaking. And the power of his voice is creative in and of itself. I believe we see that same thing echoed out through Christ fulfilling the prophet's word. And we see it echoed out in our own lives to preach the gospel. Now, the interesting thing about this word gospel being here is like, this is before the gospel was the gospel. Jesus hadn't even gone to the cross yet. Jesus was just getting started in his ministry. This was before the empty tomb. This was before the ascension and the transfiguration. And This is before the gospel. And yet Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to you angelizo. It just means good news of God's kindness. Good news. That's, that's the gospel. Good news. It means that somehow as 
as mild and powerless as we make it sometimes, and I say we make it because we're the ones who make it this way, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is all-powerful. It's what changes the world. It literally is instruction pertaining to Christian salvation. That's the gospel. Sometimes we think, well, we'll let the preachers preach. No. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. This is not a take a spiritual gifts test and find out if you're a preacher. This isn't a how, did you take your public speaking class in your, uh, you know, in your undergrad? No. It means that the words that come out of your mouth, you were given the ability to project sound so that the gospel would be preached. We live in New England. Well, most of us do. I know we have some folks watching now, but there's so there's such an emphasis on uh, academia. There's such an emphasis on education here that oftentimes we see sermons uh, as a vehicle by which we just become more educated. And I'll, if we if we take anything home from this point that we were the Spirit of the Lord is upon us to preach, I want to make sure that we get this. Preaching the gospel, okay? Preaching the gospel is not to inform the spectator. It is to transform the spirited. This is not an informational sermon, okay? You, you may get some facts out of it, but that's not what it's there for. Jesus didn't come to preach the gospel so people would just know. He came to preach the gospel so they would be because the gospel in and of itself is transformational and it doesn't return void when it's preached by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to encourage you, saints, the, the world that you desire to see changed in 2022 is changed when we begin to preach the gospel that changes it. Anybody with me this morning? Okay, good. Okay. Again, not to inform, but to transform. The next one, to proclaim. To proclaim. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. So this proclamation of release, uh, there's, a, um, there's a really cool uh, thing that happens here. And it's not like um, a jailbreak thing. I think sometimes we think that breaking people free, it's like, uh, you know, it's like the old Western thing where we attach the horses to the side of the wall of the prison and we, you know, hi-ya, giddy up, and we like pull the wall off and we're going to break them out of jail in the middle of the night. That's not how God frees people, okay? God's not like covert like that. The Lord like, the Lord renders someone vindicated and marches them out in broad daylight for everyone to see it, okay? God, God wanted, in fact, the Lord made sure that, you know, that the prison guards are aware of, of what takes place to the point where they're seeing the angels, they're witnessing everything too. And I, and I feel like sometimes we think that we have to come in here and, and pray in the dark, and worship in the dark so that 
God will do something and that it remains in this sort of like hidden place. And I'm not saying that sometimes the Lord doesn't do things in the midnight hour and in, in hidden places where people don't see. Of course, he's always working in those places. But I believe that it is the desire of the Lord for those upon whom his spirit rests to proclaim with a loud voice in such a way that the, the, the sins and the charges and the accusations who are against people, that they just no longer stand. See, that's how we're set free. That's how the captives are released. It's when the charges are no longer valid anymore. This isn't illegally breaking somebody out of prison, saints. This is making it as if there were never uh, accusations to begin with. How many of you are glad that that describes how you stand before the Lord? And so it ought to be what we proclaim over this world. Now, unfortunately, uh, we're, we're really good. Our, our flesh is really good at drawing up charges, right? We've got the judgmental thing down pat. We have it figured out. Because it's part of our self-defense mechanism, isn't it? It's part of how we move the attention away from whatever isn't right in our lives as we, you know, point out how much greater somebody else's issues are. And um, I'll tell you, raising four kids is like the best reminder of this because kids are like, they're like masters at this. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, it could be anything. And they, they, they will find a way to deflect. You know, it's like, Finn, you know, what happened in here? There's a, you know, they, the boy, our boys um, threw a football through their window. And, uh, you know, fortunately, it was just through the, um, the, the, the main sash and not through the storm window because otherwise it'd be really cold in there because I'm not fixing it. Um, and uh, I'm just kidding. I'll fix it in the spring. And, uh, you know, what? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, put, tape some saran wrap up or something. But uh, it's like you, you want to just go at, like, well, who did this? But what you get is this laundry list of everything everyone's done wrong in the last, like, 72 hours. And I'm like, but what does that have to do with this? Absolutely nothing. But I just want to point out that I'm not the only one who's broken anything around here, Dad. You're the only one who knocked a window out of the house in the middle of the winter. High five. Congratulations. At least it was your room. But I, it's just, it's crazy. It's crazy how, you know, when we go to Eve and find out, you know, hey, what's going on with this apple, Eve? Uh, I mean, sorry, Adam, and he just immediately turns to Eve. And so it set in motion uh, the trajectory of the blame game forevermore. I think when we, uh, when we pay attention to our words, we'll find out that an alarming percentage of what comes out of our mouth is accusatory. We are we live in a perpetual state of drawing up charges. It is the land of the lawsuit. And in an effort to constantly validate our own victimization, we start to proclaim people back into captivity. We start to declare the things that are coming out of our mouths, the power that was given to us to set people free ends up being the very same thing that puts them back in bondage. And I want to encourage you, saints, do whatever you have to do. Give yourself hourly reminders in your app on your phone to proclaim 
the release of captives. This word proclaim, uh, it means to herald with the suggestion of formality. Okay? Formality, gravity, and authority which must be listened to and obeyed. What does that mean? It means that we have to speak these things in the manner in which they are heard and taken seriously. I think for a long time, believers as a whole have not been taken seriously. You know why people don't believe us? Because a lot of times we don't believe ourselves. Why would you? People end up buying the snake oil before they buy the oil of the Holy Spirit because the guy selling it in, out in the parking lot believes what he's selling. And he's gotten really good at pitching it. And we have the real thing. We have the real power. And so I want to encourage you, sons, daughters of God, that as you proclaim... Do so with gravity, with authority, in a way that it must be listened to and obeyed. Because it's not you that people are obeying. In fact, if anything, it, it, the, this whole proclamation thing, it's not in a, in, in a way to get Christians up on this pedestal. No. Everything about the gospel proves how low we are. It proves how broken we are without Jesus, how much we really need him. So don't take this as some like, you know, pompous religious thing. It couldn't be further from that. Proclaim the release and recovery. You know what I love about that word recovery? Um, it comes from this Greek word anablepsis. And um, that word is used, yes, in these places where literal blind eyes are healed in scripture, but it's also used um, and rendered as um, looking up, just looking up. Anablepo is the word that's used when it says that right before Jesus feeds the 5,000, it says he breaks the bread and he says he looks up to heaven. It's the same word. It's the same word that we see when the disciples show up to an empty tomb, and when they look up, they see the stone rolled away. And saints, I believe with my whole heart that the power that has been given us to proclaim with authority the recovery of sight to this world is not just to see blind eyes literally healed, but moreover, more important than that, to see the countenance of God's creation lifted back to its creator and sustainer. To see eyes that have been looking down for so long, for too long. Look up. Look up. Look up. That's the recovery. That's the restoration of sight. The issue with sight isn't that people don't have it. It's that they're seeing the wrong thing. They're believing the wrong report. To proclaim release and recovery. And finally, it says, uh, 
to set the oppressed free. Again, that word is to order or send away. It's to achieve something by, it's the father achieving something by a messenger. And I think that that is so important to put ourselves in that place and realize that heavenly freedom is accomplished by messenger. Heavenly freedom, I'm going to say it again. Heavenly freedom is accomplished by messenger. Tuesday nights have taken on a really incredible life here. And, um, and from the get-go, and even before this church, if you didn't know that, I know we say it pretty often, but um, the, our Tuesday night prayer meeting actually predates this church by quite a while. And that Tuesday night is so powerful because we see people engage in the prayer and intercession prophetically and spiritually led and people are praying with power and authority. But saints, it is my conviction that that same power and authority has to move beyond these altars and these chairs on the Tuesday night. It is the voice of the messenger. How lovely are the feet of him who bring good news. Why? Because through those feet, through that vessel, through the preaching and the proclamation, the Lord achieves his desired result, freedom to the captives. And, and, and some of us, we think that it's hard work. It's not hard work. Like we started off with and like we will end with, it is not by the shedding of your own blood that this happens. It is by the word of our testimony. You see what the work is there? You have to open your mouth. <laughs> see the guy with the sake at the <laughs> bocce place? Open your mouth. <laughs> open your mouth. <laughs> Jesus, help us. By the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. The power is in the word. The word. The word to send captives away from their bondage. To command principalities of darkness to release their grip. Stop asking God for something that he already gave you the power to do. My goodness. Lord, if you would just, if you would just speak. He's saying, son, if you would just speak. For the spirit of the Lord is upon you. And I want to close with this, the last line to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. <clears throat> you know, what's interesting, a couple of really cool things about this passage when Jesus quotes this prophecy and he would have known it well <clears throat> if you know the Isaiah 61 original prophetic word here then you know that it doesn't stop right there Isaiah goes on to say the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news, 
to set the captives free, to recovery of sight. He does this whole thing, he says, and to proclaim the year of the favor of our Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. But isn't it cool that Jesus leaves that part off? He stops there for a reason. The day of vengeance is a wink back to, all the way back to Leviticus uh, 25, 26, something like that. And, and, and we see this thing play out where we see the vengeance of the covenant. And the vengeance of the covenant is this, that the Lord receives what is his. The vengeance of the covenant, the day of the vengeance of our God is the day in which he reacquires that which belongs to him. But the reason why Jesus leaves that part off is because the day that he's baptized, this season of his life, when he walks through the temptation and this immense oppression and, and, and suffering through the wilderness with Satan throwing all of this crap at him. And he comes through with flying colors full of the Holy Spirit. Something happens in heavenly places. And the vengeance of the covenant is restored. You see, by the time Jesus is saying this, the Father has already gotten what's his. He's received what is his. He's received it through Jesus. But something hasn't happened yet. The year of the favor of our God. You see, I always thought this all the way back to Browns, the Brownsville Revival when we used to sing that song. This is the day of the vengeance of our God. Remember that song? And uh, I always used to think that the year of the favor of the Lord I read it like, you know, like a Chinese fortune cookie. I read it like that meant that this was going to be the year that we finally see the favor of God. But I've been misunderstanding this all that time. This is not the year the Lord favors. It's the year that favors the Lord. You see, through Jesus... He already got back what he wanted. He received what he wanted, which was an open door back into his people. Jesus, this new race. Jesus, this one upon which the Holy Spirit could be poured out without restraint. What he didn't get yet was a year that received him. I'm going to say it again. This isn't the year he favors. It's the year that favors him. It's the year that receives him. When we proclaim, when we preach, when we prophesy, we become heaven's Rosetta Stone to the earth. We become the translation of a new language. We become the means by which the world knows the thoughts and heart 
and words of heaven. And it's a world that knows that heart that can finally receive the Father. You see, we pray for people to receive Christ all the time. Did you receive salvation? We talk about it like it's a gift. We know all the, all the right words and that sort of thing, but when it's missing that power, when we don't believe it ourselves, when our life and our actions haven't followed those words, we don't really have anything to stand on. Saints, I believe that hell advances by silent consent, but the kingdom comes through the proclamation of its priests and its prophets. I have a lot of faith and a lot of confidence in this church. And I watch the way that you guys live and interact. I see the way that you put uh, hands and feet on the things that you say, that you, that you put your money where your mouth is. I see it and it gets me excited because it's the natural following the spiritual. And I wanna encourage you as we go into 2022 to walk in the fullness of the power of the spirit that is upon you. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. If no one ever had believed the gospel, if no one ever had had uh, bought into this thing and believed the truth and accepted it, and it was just Jesus, I believe that the Father still would have received what he knew was necessary. By the sacrifice of a perfect spotless lamb, the Father would have received what was necessary, an access point, an open door, the inception of a new race, Thank God that he gave us eyes to see and ears to hear. But with them came mouths to speak. And it is my prayer for this church and for everybody in here who has received the power of the Holy Spirit that 2022 marks a year that hell no longer advances through our silent consent but that the kingdom advances through the proclamation of its priests and prophets. You are that priesthood. You are that prophetic voice to this world that the captives don't have to be captive anymore, that the blind can begin to look up to see heaven the way that you've seen it, and that freedom can be found on this earth as it is in heaven. So, Father, we thank you for bringing us through 2021. We thank you, God, that after all the chaos and dysfunction and after all the noise, Lord, there is still a voice. And no matter how many of us have that thing in our throat right now that feels like we're losing our voice, I thank you that your spirit only grows louder. And so, God, I pray that in these days and weeks and months to come, Lord, that over 2022, that like never before the promises would be preached and proclaimed. The gospel would be made known.
that captives would be set free and that the day of your favor, the year that receives you, would finally be at hand. Lord, find it in us. Find it in us to receive you, God, in our words. Find it in us to create a place with our words, with the power of the words that you've given us, the power to speak things that aren't as though they were, to speak in faith. God, find it in us the confidence and the boldness to do so, to project out of ourselves no longer the lies and the nonsense that are bouncing off the walls of this world, but instead, God, that we would be the echo chamber of heaven, Lord, and that your words, the word that became flesh through Jesus, the gospel that that became a reality through what you spoke, Lord, would be echoed through everything we speak. We love you, we thank you, and we give you all the glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you guys. Have the best day of your lives. We'll see you Tuesday.